0: Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 107 for April the 23rd, 2013. I'm Chester Wazewski, and my guest this week is Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello again, Chester. I hear you're in London. I am in London. Uh, I've been following the, uh, the, the running race scene around, which, uh, of course, uh, I would like to pass along condolences to the, the people in Boston that went through the tragedy last week. Uh, I, I was there for... The vast majority of that, and uh, got to see kind of the emotional t- toll it takes on people when they they face that kind of uh, tragedy, which was rather sad to see.
1: And what a what an unsurprising but disgusting thing to see the malware crews jumping onto the Boston tragedy, and indeed the uh, explosion in Texas as well. But within minutes or hours at best, they were uh, trying to draw us in to infect us with malware by promoting bogus news about the events dreadful isn't it
0: yeah it, it was genuinely uh, awful uh, th- to think of uh, you know you could see everybody in the community wanting to find a way to help you know for some people that was to donate blood and for some people that was uh, you know to put to put together memorials and things and for other people it was you know they would like to make a donation to help those families with their medical costs and other things that they're facing uh, as a result of the tragedy and of course as you say the scammers instantly knew that the world was going to open their hearts to the people of boston and Tried to take advantage of that. That was very sad. In the week's news for security stuff, uh, fortunately, uh, most of, I think I found I guess a lot of it to be interesting, but at least none of it is in in uh, mass scale tragedy, which is uh, always a good thing. Um, there there was an interesting situation where a whole bunch of I guess virtual instances at the hosting company HostGator, uh, which is uh, you know if you're familiar with GoDaddy or One and One or RackSpace, you know they're in that. Kind of uh, you know, internet website hosting space had a bunch of the machines rooted by a former employee. Uh, I, I know you had some commentary. I guess SSH keys were involved in things. What did, what exactly? How did that play out, Paul?
1: Well, it seems that eventually, when the investigators came in and they were called in quite promptly, and it appears well done to them that Hostgator had kept logs that made the investigation fairly straightforward. Um, they uncovered chat logs that revealed that this guy kind of intended to get himself sacked and then be able to come in and dig around and steal data from outside. And it seems that the way he did this was to steal an SSH key, which he was supposed to have access to, the private key part that lets you log in against the centrally stored public key, with the result that he was then able to log in from another hosting service in Germany. I don't believe he was in Germany, he was just going via Germany. And uh, the poetic justice here is, When the investigators were looking at the system, it seems that what happened is they noticed this connection, and they were able to use his TCP connection the other way around, if you like. In other words, while he was connected to the HostGator systems, they were able to look at his system, and they uncovered, indeed, that it looked like the same guy, and he had this giant collection of hacking tools, exploits, and some HostGator data. So from an evidence point of view, that was deemed probable cause, and he was arrested. So it does show the wisdom of actually keeping logs in case it all goes wrong. Absolutely.
0: And uh, speaking of improvements, and maybe whether they're improvements or not might be a debate, but Apple pushed out a big update for Safari um, to kind of go along with the new version, uh, the latest revision of Java that was released, uh, fixing, I think the technical term is metric crap ton of vulnerabilities in Java. Uh, so now you're getting this control panel-like thing, similar to what Oracle introduced with Java on Windows and Mac, um, the the official Oracle distributed versions, I believe, last fall.
1: It's not quite the same, actually. In fact, the two work together sort of okay, although they, Oracle's restrictions and Apple's kind of fight with one another slightly. But the idea is that normally Java would be off in your browser, If you go and enable it, then it will actually ask you when you reach a site that happens to have an applet and will ask you to decide, at least initially, do you want to allow or deny for that applet on that website. So, for home users who aren't sure whether they need to get rid of Java or who know that they need Java from time to time, for example, on their banking sites, you can then go and turn Java on and Answer that difficult question did I need it in the first place?
0: I think this is close, but it still kinda of misses the mark in that I'm not sure that my mom or my cousin knows what to do when they see this.
1: On the other hand, to go into bat for Apple for a moment, I suspect they were kind of between a rock and a hard place, as we've been on Naked Security when we said, Hey guys, why don't you just turn off Java in your browser? You don't have to uninstall it from your computer. Just don't use it while you're online. And of course we got some kickback from people of for all sorts of different reasons saying look you can't say that it's just impractical in our environment we have to support java and worse we have to support an outdated one and plenty of readers actually came in with their scenarios so as i said what apple have done that i do like is that java's off if you go and turn it on then there are some extra hoops you have to go through so for a user who doesn't fully understand the risks but just wants to answer that question, do I really need Java? This is actually a much safer way of going, yes, I want to allow it, than just the all or nothing that we've been talking about on Naked Security. So it's not ideal. It does add complexity. Maybe it'll all get simplified. Maybe there'll be some management ability built into it that would let you pre-populate it with a list of, say, intranet applets that you're forced to allow and lock down everything else. So it's kind of an approximation. Those are rarely very good in security, but I think it's a good compromise for just having a Java's either on or off.
0: Yeah, I agree it's an improvement. And I mean, that's really, I guess, all we can ask for. When you're thinking about getting hacked and having to keep old versions of stuff around, the first thing that comes to my mind is always the Federal Aviation Administration. Um, I haven't talked about it on the podcast previously, but I, I worked for a company that worked with a major aircraft manufacturer uh, that wanted to start integrating internet into the aircraft back in the late 1990s. And it was a very interesting ride working with the restrictions that are in place about running old things that have been tried and true, but perhaps maybe not secured to the degree they need to be secured. Uh, I, you know, even at this time, I remember in, in 2002, I think, we were restricted to the most modern processor we could get was a Pentium Pro 180 megahertz. This is around the time that uh, 1.5 gigahertz chips were coming out. And uh, that was the last certified thing we could run, which may lead to the the problems with the story. Uh, You know, there's a gentleman, uh, Hugo, who presented uh, at the Hack in a Box conference in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, saying he can control and manipulate and potentially divert uh, flying aircraft
1: uh, using an Android application that he developed. Yes, I saw that. It was kind of a bit of a dramatic story, wasn't it? It sort of got parlayed into a, hey, I can wiggle my phone around in from seat 13C and the plane will do a barrel roll and nobody's going to stop me. But that isn't quite what he found, and it may well be that the whole thing is, whilst a problem, not the clear and present danger that it at first appeared.
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple concerns, I guess, on either side that I have. And and while I find sometimes the way things are presented by the media or by the people doing the research to not always to do the research a favor as far as to the, the credibility side of it, but the question becomes this is a really important thing. So the FAA and the EASA have released statements saying that um, while there's some merit to what he's saying, none of these things actually can have impact, and that maybe you know it works in his lab, but it's not something that'll work in the real world. Uh, he refutes those statements. It was my understanding. I'd like you know to get to the bottom of it, whether it is someone um, perhaps overplaying their hand with stuff to get more attention, or whether it's as serious as it's being portrayed to be it's the kind of thing you don't really want to mess around with, right? I mean, it it would be nice to see the FAA come together with the researcher and make sure there's nothing to it.
1: So it sounds to me a little bit as though, given that he's just done this with some stuff he bought on eBay and various simulator software, that it's kind of, I don't know whether this is a good analogy, but it's a little bit like, say you want to test SMS, text messaging functionality in in your Android application. So you use the Android emulator and the SMS simulator. It's a great way of seeing that your messages won't be handled correctly by sender and receiver, for example, but it's not actually sending real messages through the GSM network and all the vagaries of that. So it it lets you tell you that your research wouldn't work, but it doesn't actually really prove that it would. Um, It's just a starting point, isn't it?
0: It is, and I think
1: we're going to hear a lot more about this in the coming weeks. uh... I'd agree with that, Chester, and I'd suggest that If I can make what I think is going to be a humorous remark about a serious subject, we clearly need to lift our game in this sphere, but we aren't at the position yet that we've got an automated voice shouting at us, pull up, pull up, pull up. Exactly. Uh, I
0: think that's a great summary. The other story, I guess, that we saw a lot of traction from the community on was people wanting to talk about the Facebook Home announcement. I think what people really want to know is about Facebook Cover Feed, which is one of the components included in Facebook Home. And this is the piece where they kind of uh, redesign the lock screen to show almost a cover flow, to borrow terms from Apple, of your friends' photos and wall posts and shares and likes and all these different kinds of things. And kind of defeats the purpose of a privacy screen, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it's a special meaning of lock that is, in fact, mostly unlocked. Because my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chester, is that the cover feed doesn't just show you what other people choose to have pop up on your device, say when you're sitting in a a meeting at work with the phone face upwards, but also actually allows you some admittedly limited ability to interact with them. In other words, there's a live network connection that's sending you stuff and responding to what you do on the phone while it's supposed to be locked. And that strikes me as a sort of irony that we could probably do without if we're serious about security.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can, uh, you know, send messages and things while you're in the lock mode, but you can certainly double tap a photo, for example, to like it. Well, that's a message, isn't it, Chester? It is a message. Um, Fortunately, it's not a message that contains any PII or anything like that.
1: No, but it, it does mean that somebody who thinks they're being terribly funny can... Tap on your phone when it's supposedly locked and perhaps cause you to like a scam or a spam. It seems that the propensity for this to feed into the bad parts of the Facebook ecosystem, the stuff that I know that Facebook are actually trying to stamp out, seems rather high. And like I said, it just seems to be a meaning of the word lock, which I don't get. But you don't have to have Cover Feed turned on, do you? You can have Facebook Home and have your lock screen still lock your phone, right? Absolutely, and I, I think that's a great thing that Facebook has done, which is
0: bring these things out as a suite, you know, kind of a bundled product, but allow each one of them to be enabled or disabled and not force you to adopt that as your home screen. And in fact, there there were some reported bugs with it as well where it was accidentally allowing you to unlock even if your phone was configured to have a lock. Um Facebook said they were looking into it and that it was HTC's firmware that was the issue in this particular case, the handset manufacturer. But when those kinds of things are out there, I'd hold off for a little bit. You may want to play with it, sure, but um, I would hold off from a security perspective until the dust settles a little bit and you know precisely the types of things that are going to show up on your phone screen and whether they've been able to stamp out most of the bugs because programming lock screens is tricky. I mean, Apple's had two or three major incidents in the last year with people being able to bypass the lock screen through really, really strange combinations of key presses and timings and things. And introducing, as you say, a live network connection into that, it seems to be a bit of a hot wire to me.
1: It does. And my gut feeling is that you should choose the simplest possible lock screen you can. The lock screen, just like a login screen, is part of your ecosystem where less is very definitely more. The more bling you put into lock screens and login screens, the more likely it is that they will be found wanting and will not perform their critical purpose.
0: Well, thanks for your thoughts on this week's topics, Paul. Uh, I'm going to be enjoying the conference here at InfoSecurity Europe. And if any of you hear this podcast and would like to stop by and say hello, uh, I will be at the stand all week this week. And until next time, stay secure.